Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. You're listening to Super Women. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to do some shameless plugging. So if you haven't bought the handbag or an incredibly appropriate Zoom sweatshirt, aka our best-selling Janine, head over to my site. This podcast is brought to you by the support of you. So would love for you to buy some gifts, enjoy some of our sales that we're having, and just support the cause and the brand that floats this podcast. Also, I'm not sure if you've heard, but I launched a fragrance. It is available at Macy's and Nordstrom and Birchbox and Scentbird. So I highly, highly advise you smell good from the comfort of your bed or living room. Hey everyone, welcome to Superwomen. Today's guest I am so excited about. I've been wanting to interview her for probably three years um, and the stars would not align for us to be in the same city together, but guess what? Doing this all remotely. So Jessica Alba needs no introduction. She is an incredible actress, businesswoman, founder, philanthropist who has a heart of gold. So I am so thrilled to welcome you today. Thank you for having me. I mean, we really did try and do this so many times over so many years. <laughs> I know. Not happening. And so now I, it finally happened. It's happening. I remember the last time I was in LA, you texted me like, can we come uh, record right now? And I was like, I have zero equipment, but rain check. Okay. So I want to go back to your childhood. Where did you grow up? And did you always know that you wanted to first start acting or did you always think there's got to be something more to this as well? So I grew up in Southern California in like a Mexican-American family, very hardworking, self-made. My grandparents are from Southern California. They also grew up uh, in a similar city that I did and, and my dad as well. I think we're, we actually may have all been born in the same hospital, Pomona Valley, shout out, P-Town. Oh, wow. um, and and uh, yeah, so I'm like third generation. And I really grew up in a family where my grandfather and grandmother were like the first in their family to really kind of create opportunity and a new reality for themselves and and certainly um, through like grit, hard work, they they got to I think just give themselves and and their children and grandchildren opportunities that they weren't afforded and things like you know being able to go to school for a full day frankly was a luxury being able to get a job and, and and being treated with dignity was a luxury for them. Uh, they grew up in a segregated California. And so I would say that a post-depression era, you know, grandparent raising mixed with very ambitious people who roll up their sleeves and sort of stop at nothing in achieving their goals. It then set the stage for me to dream big. Although my mother is not Mexican, she's She's white. Her dad's from Denmark, and her mother is is French American. She all of her her family had actually passed away when I was young, so my dad's family really like brought my mom in under their wing, and and I really grew up really only with my dad's side of the family. And my mom ad- has a lot of that same gumption, a lot of that same figure it out as you go, stop at nothing, you can achieve anything, don't let anyone hamper your dreams. So between my mom's influence certainly my family unit's influence. I guess I had, I would say, the fearlessness to really go in 
and try and and be successful in an industry that is literally impossible to be successful in. You know, this is the place, Hollywood and, and entertainment is the place where everyone uh, who has a dream of being something one day, I would say from every small town that has an ounce of talent uh, comes here to really fulfill their dream and tell stories. And it, it's a very competitive place and it's and it's really hard to figure out how to be successful because there is no real rhyme or reason. A lot of people say it's luck. I say it's an it's a combination of definitely the stars of aligning, but that of you being ready for it and putting in the work to to open up those doors and create opportunity. So when I was eleven, actually, I was like there was a casting call and it was everyone from my mom to my Aunt Kathy and her four kids and her sister and her sister's boyfriend and me and my mom and my brother and we all went to this open casting and it was basically like wanna be a model or an actor, come to this Hilton Hotel by the LAX. And there were thousands of people waiting outside. Think of like an American Idol audition. I did these too. So I, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. And so I we went, we saved money, gas money to even get there. I remember I used to like dig through the couch and like find any change and that would like pay for food that we can get at some fast food restaurant and then like gas money. Um, and that, and I ended up winning the prize out of thousands of people, uh, which were free classes and they were going to pay for headshots and then an opportunity to audition for agents. Now, usually this program would take like a year and a half to two years to do all of it, but I was like 11. So I had to fit it into one summer. And I basically went to acting class, whatever this acting class was, a day to night and learn everything from cold reading to what's a casting director to what's a producer to how to audition, headshots, how to like present yourself right and and all of these things. And I was told even by my teachers, they were like, you look too old. Um, every actor that's a child act- actor is usually five to 10 years older than the roles that they play. So you're probably not going to be successful, just an FYI. (laughs) And I had really, you know, lots of encouragement that I was going to actually be able to be successful. And I just like didn't care. You know, I was just like, so what? We'll just see what did I have to lose? When you're starting from the bottom, there was nowhere you can go but up. So my parents, you know, we lived paycheck to paycheck and my parents often had multiple jobs. So it was a huge sacrifice that my mom was actually not working in order to carve out time to take me to these all-day acting classes. So then she would have to take night shifts if she was going to do any kind of job. Um, And usually that's like waitressing or, or bartending. It was complicated and it was hard. But I would say that what motivated me um, from that moment on was like I always knew that I needed to be able to supplement my mom's income, frankly, because she would be working at a job if she wasn't working for me. So I had to become essentially that piece of the puzzle for my family if I wanted to do this. And for me, it gave me independence. You know, I I come from a very conservative family. I was always very outgoing, very vocal, very much a feminist, the antithesis of what it is to be like a proper conservative 
girl. I was not one to like run away from controversy or something provocative. I ran straight for it and it rattled my family. I would say that my family is, you know, they don't like to talk about anything really that would be controversial. They just sort of want to, you know, be accepted in a lot of ways and just kind of like blend in. And I just had this rebellious spirit and I and I challenged everything. And, and I don't know if that's something that's learned. I actually just really think that some people are just born with that, right? And so there was probably something about naysayers and something about people thinking that I wasn't going to be successful um, that encouraged me even more to, to be successful in Hollywood. So I just sort of hustled and, and struggled and figured it out. I identify with that so much because recently I turned 40 and my husband did this compilation and my brother says, I, I remember some of the first full sentences you said is if someone corrected you, you said, I can do it however I want. And I was like, I did say that a lot. And I feel like Whereas those naysayers, like I had them my entire life as well for everything I thought I wanted to do. And then when I decided to be a designer, but um, it just was like, I'll prove you wrong. And I think that whatever that is that we were born with or that our mothers or fathers instilled in us is like, I tell people, yes, you might have talent, but that, that stubbornness, that persistence, that's what gets you through. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I actually, never really thought twice about it but definitely i i find that even when i'm hiring folks and i'm thinking about who i want to surround myself with when it comes to any goal right whether it's a goal in entertainment or it's a goal at honest and it's like okay here's this next phase who would i want to surround myself to help get me to that goal or for that goal to become fully realized and it's usually finding other people that have a chip on their shoulder. Um, yeah. If you have that chip on your shoulder and you have something that like drives you to get up every day and stop at nothing, that to me is the most valuable asset uh, over a degree, over you know being born into a family, over uh, being born into opportunity or privilege. That chip on your shoulder, there's nothing like that. So I say this struggling with it as a mother. So I was raised in a in a similar environment in that my grandparents were immigrants. They had to save every dollar, work every dime. They they raised a very if you want it earn it household and that was passed down to me. How do we and you might not know the answer to this, but how do we I try and raise my kids to have a chip on their shoulder? Mm-hmm. By saying no all the time and making them earn it, but I think it's different, right? Or no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 100%. I mean, our kids are in a, obviously, a position of privilege compared to how we were raised. But I think how to instill that drive or that fire is, for me, it's, it's like these micro steps. So starting with A, don't ever in a million years think that you are entitled to any of this. Yeah. Every piece of your life is a gift. And I start talking to them about that when they're like three years old. I start telling them stories in their in my own way about how lucky they are and how there are so many people who are in a completely different situation and don't even get to 
decide what they want to eat that day. You know, when they start trying to get picky about food, when they're like three and they love using that word no, that's when it sort of starts. And it's not like they ever really grasp it. And I don't know if it lands, but by the time they're five, it lands, right? And they start to really understand what that means. And so I would say like, for me, I've been taking these tiny steps along the way and also just not allowing them to get anything they want at any moment. And so that also starts at around three years old when they just want to, they think their every whim will be fulfilled, whether that's, you know, my son wants to eat candy all day and all night. So does my middle child Haven. And I'm just like, you just can't. Or when you get frustrated, you can't just throw a toy at your sibling's face, which is something they love to do. And so they get to learn about having timeouts and nose and toes in the corner. Now it might be for 10 seconds, but it's to just kind of say, you can't just do anything you want at any time. And then also really enforcing, and it is relentless, the nice manners. So say thank you, be grateful. And even if they don't understand what thank you means, if they say it enough and they understand the connection between they're getting something that they didn't have before, and then they have to say thank you, it starts to connect for them. Um, and then also, I think even harder for them is to say, I'm sorry, because, you know, lo siento is the hardest word for Hayes to, to actually say. He would do anything. He'll roll around on the ground and throw like a real temper tantrum just because he's not trying to say lo siento to his sister Haven after throwing her her Barbie doll, you know, in the pool or whatever he decides to do. Being relentless, not just giving up and letting him get his way, but to be relentless with that is not nice and we're better than that. And you're going to have to have a timeout. Again, even if it's just for 10 seconds, just to start that type of boundaries, discipline, at an early age, and then being consistent. You know, it's worth it in the end because now I see my 12-year-old and it's not even a question for her during the Black Lives Matters movement, her to stand up to family members that didn't get it or that were taking the message the wrong way or were saying, well, all lives matter or cops' lives matter. And she had just like such a grace in the way that she articulated the injustice that's happening and such a steadiness in her in her voice and her confidence and and to speak with such conviction but then always have like this this big heart and this big mind and uh kindness where i you know my tendency is to be sassy and combative and i'm like come for me i'll cut you like i don't even care for family this is crazy da, 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 da. she's not like that she has a totally more open heart, open mind approach, but still like so strong in her convictions and will stand up for injustices whenever she sees it. So I eventually it pays off. I love that so much. And I hope that my daughter gets that grace because right now she's probably more rebellious than I ever was. And I'm not sure what to do with it, but I will figure (laughs) it out. (laughs) So since we're talking about, we're on the subject of kids and motherhood, and I I do want to get into business, uh, we'll go there. But you have managed not only one career, which takes the all of you, then launching, you know, a a globally recognized, incredible company, Honest, and your philanthropic work. How have you, pre-COVID, how did you find the time 
to have your, you know, spend that meaningful moments with your children because I struggled with it and I thought I was spending a lot of time with them. And then COVID hit and I was like, oh, I actually have hardly been with my kid. Like I thought I was like so balanced with my time, but I truly was not. I would love to hear how you've managed it, where it's been hard. I think what what you're talking about is we, because we both have careers, right? And we've, we haven't stopped with our career ambition. If not, I would say I even got more ambitious after I became a mother and thinking through, you know, the legacy that I want to pass down to my children and, and what I'm passionate about and, and purpose and making a difference in the world and all of those things, how, how, you know, in my tiny little part, what can I do to leave the world a better place than how I found it, you know? Um, and certainly trying to do that for my children and their children and so on. So you and I probably, and we've talked about this, have really thought through the quality time. It's not the quantity, right? It's about the quality of the time that you spend with your family because, frankly, you just can't be everywhere and everything to everyone all the time. And I think what COVID revealed, I think more than anything to me, certainly, and it sounds like to you as well, is just how much tenderness and and growing and learning are in the everyday mundane. And, mm-hmm. you know, the time where you're brushing your teeth every morning or, you know, making your breakfast and, and eating together every morning and having your, you know, the lunch break and, and then having the family dinner, like, that sort of stuff that you need to do to just like be a person in the world is sort of like, I'll catch you when we do this family game night and we're going to watch a special movie and we're going to order in from the favorite restaurant once a week thing, or we're just going to hunker down on the weekends and that's when we're going to get our all in family time. Actually, the day to day routine stuff revealed to me just how much I was missing and how much, you know, I felt like I'd look up and it was there was no denying that every single time i would look up at all of my kids at different stages and say what just happened to a year or what just happened to the baby stage or what just happened to them being in diapers and and i just felt like their lives were flashing before my eyes and it was just going so fast um and i think during covid we really got to like sink into each other i feel like every moment every nuance of every stage of who they are and who they've evolved into over the last year, I was there. And it's something that I, I want to be there for always. You know, I don't want to miss that. But at the same time, I also got to still work and, and, and I still got to be present at Honest. And, you know, it's like, it's not like it was sacrificing my career ambitions and there is a way to do it. Now, sometimes I feel like, I definitely have no me time and I definitely have no friend time and I have no fun time. But on the flip side, I got to really be with my kids during every sort of curveball, up, down, um, sideways change. And it's been really fun to to go and grow with them because I feel like I'm better. Yeah, it's been, it's been this incredible mixture of like, I want to pull my hair out, but I got to see my son's like language actually begin and become yeah. sentences and to think. And I never would have caught that. I would have been home for bath time 
read a story, go to bed, you know? And so yeah. it's one of the silver linings I've taken from, from this time is like, oh my gosh, I got to experience that. And I'm so glad I did. Yeah, me too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. I want to take a quick break to chat with you about my book, which comes out June 15th, entitled Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. I wrote this book for you, my listeners who might be considering different paths, trying to find ways to innovate, in general, seeking a road that maybe hasn't been traveled. So over the last 15 years, I've learned so much. I have failed so much. The one thing that I've consistently done is when I was scared, I did it anyway. So I want to encourage you to buy the book. Please pre-order it. It actually truly helps an author when you pre-order, especially right now with so many stores not ordering inventory and uh, needing pre-orders to ensure the sales. So you can go to Amazon, look for Fearless, Rebecca Minkoff. You can go to Books A Million, which has an incredible list of independent bookstores. Buy the book. And the good news is, is if you buy the book and email me, fearless at rebeccaminkoff.com with your receipt, you get the cost of the book as a credit applied to whatever you buy on my site. So it's a win-win. Buy the book. It's called Fearless unlocking the new rules for creativity, courage, and success. So back to business, at what point were you rolling around the idea in your head of honest? And did you have any idea that you were going to not just launch with diapers and things for kids, but now it is home in terms of products, cleaning products, it's makeup and beauty and skin, like where did that seed grow? And then we'll, I want to talk about your leadership style. Yeah. So I grew up when I was younger, I actually grew up with a lot of illnesses. I had multiple surgeries. I had various like weird tumors removed and cysts from like my throat and my ovaries. And I had appendicitis and I, and I had my tonsils taken out. And then I had severe asthma and allergies, like literally everything from like grass to strawberries to oranges. I didn't realize until later cleaners, detergents would give me an asthma attack. So I just thought that I was just allergic to life in the world. And any cold I had would usually land me into in the hospital for two weeks with double pneumonia. I spent so much time in the hospital as a kid and I, and I kind of grew out of it when I was about 12 years old. I don't know if my immune system got stronger or what have you. So I I then from age like 12 on just needed like an, an inhaler once in a while. Um, it wasn't like every day. And I had, you know, I was definitely on allergy medicine if I, if I was around like dogs or horses or, or anything like that. But for the most part, I, I could just kind of like live my life. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with Honor, my first child, that I had a terrible reaction to a detergent that my mom recommended for me. And when I had this allergic reaction, it like took me back to my childhood and like 
thinking, oh my God, what if my kid is sick like me? And it, and it was traumatic. And I guess I just sort of buried it. And, and I never really thought twice about it once I was over it. And, and it all came flooding back to me. And then I learned about all of these harsh chemicals that are in everyday products from beauty products was like the worst, you know, when it, when it came to what could be toxic and bad for you all the way through to personal care products. So think of like bath and body products, um, hair products, and then thinking about detergents and then even the materials that things are made of and they spray them with all of these chemicals. And what does that do to your body over time? And it was just like, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. And I then try to shop around the problem, trying to, you know, put together a home that didn't have any of these harsh things. Because even when you're pregnant, what you put on yourself goes into your bloodstream. And even like tiny amounts of certain chemicals could actually mess up the way that your baby's brain develops. And it can affect your brain and your body. And you're just like, what? How is this not regulated? So I actually went and lobbied on Capitol Hill. This isn't about a conservative or a liberal agenda. This is about human health and safety and common sense. You should just be able to shop uh, with peace of mind. You shouldn't have to worry that over time it could make you sick. So um, after I was frustrated with just like that, then I was like, well, I'll just make my own detergents at home. And then, you know, you I could buy things from different places, but it was just like exhausting. And I felt like I was like, I had to be like a vegan hippie yogi. Everything was like hemp and burlap and smelled of patchouli and didn't really work. I was like, the stain is not coming out of my damn laundry. And like, this is just not right. My, my house smells like salad dressing. And I just felt like, you know, even when I was looking at the more, the alternative and clean makeup brands, I was just like putting layers of dirt on my face. So I was like, there's just got to be uh, an answer to all of this. And so that's when I had this idea to create this company that really stands for safety, transparency, honesty. My daughter, Honor, inspired me to create the company because I really started to think about those things differently after I you know, became a mom. And so I just love all the virtues that are aligned with honesty. And I was like, what if this company just stands for honesty? And it's like building a ethical company that has values. Really, we launched nine years ago. And it just feels like now the consumer or people out there more than ever are really leaning into companies that stand for something good, A. We really care about diversity and inclusion, always have, but have been, been able to really like build a different corporate America where diversity and inclusion is even part of our professional development programs, our hiring processes. And then when you think about just like the products that we make, for me, it's like education first, because if you can empower people with the knowledge to make the best choices, that to me is like job done. But then to actually give them access to the solution, again, that's like great as well. So if you aren't into making detergents at home and you want to, or your own makeup, because you could do that as well. Um, and you want to be able to shop like highly effective, beautifully designed products that are made with clean ingredients with high safety standards and thinking of people's health, 
in the planet, across the board, you, we got you covered. And we launched with 17 products. Um, so we actually launched with a whole line of family body care products and cleaning products. And then the baby specific products, we only had a, a handful, even though we got known for our subscription model in diapers and wipes. I think it was just that model was so groundbreaking um, to really like build a lifestyle brand in CPG and, and in beauty, which was, hadn't really been done before. So I like to, before we wrap, I always like to ask all my guests two questions. I prefer an embarrassing one, but you don't have to. Some women don't share embarrassing things, but what is one thing we'd be surprised to know about you? Oh, surprised to know about me. Hmm. I love interior design. You know what it is? I think I think I shied away from this word because my family, although my grandfather was essentially like the CFO of a paper company in Southern California, he was like the head finance guy. And that's what he did for all the years um, and worked at this one company basically his entire professional career. He also was a singer and dancer and a classical guitar player. And he, that's where he met my grandmother. And my grandmother was also a singer and a dancer and she painted and sculpted, um, but were, were really like sketches. She did lots of sketching and painting. And then all, all of her siblings were some version of singers, dancers, or painters, sculptors. Um, so it, I have like what I would say, like true artists and creative people. And I always felt like kind of a an imposter or a fraud compared to them because like Hollywood and all of that, it was all like smoke and mirrors. And it, I don't, I don't know why I just always felt like I wasn't as good as any of them or as talented, but um, something that is undeniable that I, that I definitely have learned over the years to embrace is the fact that I am very creative and I cannot sit freaking still, you know, from teaching myself how to, how to macrame to, learning how to cook and teaching myself how to cook. And I like to do things from scratch to um, DIY. Like I've definitely like sanded tables and, and refinished them before. And, and I just love kind of figuring it out as I go. And, and, I, and I definitely have like a very um, creative spirit. So it's like, I'll try anything. And I don't know, I guess, I don't know what that, what that is. I haven't tried like sewing with a sewing machine well, for our next YouTube video, I'll teach you how to sew. How's that? That would be really fun, but I'm <laughs> terrified. I'm terrified because I feel like my finger's going to get in the sewing machine. Oh my God. If you can teach me how to put on eyeshadow, I can teach you how to put a needle in. Don't worry. It's just so intimidating. There's like so many, I don't know. I know. There's just like, it's just there's like so, so like intricate. There's so many holes and it's so tiny. All right. So my last question, and it can be advice that you received that you were like, actually, this, this is helpful because we all get tons of advice that I just want to, you know, throw away or something you've learned that you would love to share with my audience of just like, hey, this worked for me. It could be about motherhood, work, whatever it is that you want to sort of relay. I guess one of my biggest lessons over the last decade, because I, I went through after I had the idea of honest, and I don't think I shared this yet, was I went through about three years of rejection before I finally got the people on board to to join me to launch 
the company. And one of them actually had rejected me 18 months earlier and I went back and repitched it. But I would say that I think having a relentless drive is not just important to achieving your goal. It's kind of the only way to do it. And I think sometimes when you have a relentless drive to fully realize your vision or your dream for yourself in your career, whatever it is, sometimes that goes hand in hand with thinking that you're always right or thinking that you have the path to get there. And I would say the biggest lesson for me is to have that relentless drive, but to also acknowledge that a lot of times your idea of how it's going to go down or how it's going to come to life is usually quite different than the reality of how it's going to come to life or how it can really become uh, the reality that you want it to be. So I would say the journey, the how even uh, is very different in reality than it is in your mind. And and that was something that was really hard for me because Cash was like, it's a great idea, this, you know, honest and all of that. Obviously, people know you as an actress. And so you have to overcome that hurdle. But also like what you're talking about is you're basically wanting to build a global business that ticks all of these sort of like checks all these boxes and that is so ambitious. And so you just have to make it really simple for people. So my idea was so big. And, and even though my idea never, it never changed, right? That I think everyone should have access to safe and healthy products um, and to be able to lean into an ethical company and that corporate America can look different. And yes, I have all those ambitions, but you kind of have to know your audience And you have to know how to frame it so that it's easy for them to understand so that you can get whatever you need to get done to move the needle. It's a hard lesson to learn. And I I think it took me quite a few years to, to get there. But once you let go of your idea on how to do it um, and you're open, then anything is possible and keep on with that relentless drive. I fucking love that. And I it it makes me think about the fact that, you know, I hate this question. What would you have done differently in your career? Well, I don't know. This is I got here. I'm here now, you know? So right. how do I take any of that away? Yeah, and I think what you probably appreciate and what I appreciate is every challenge because it's only getting through those challenges that you're then set up to take on and to be able to grow to that next stage. So if if this challenge holds you back, girl, you ain't ready for that next thing because that next oh, no. thing is going to be a lot worse, right? And it's going to be a lot more complex. There's going to be so many more layers to it. So if this little challenge is going to set you back, good luck. Seriously. Mic drop. <laughs> well, thank you. This has been incredible and I'm so excited we were finally able to do this and I value you. I value your friendship, your support. You're an incredible human and I feel so lucky to know you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And don't forget to head over to RebeccaMinkoff.com. Show your love and support for the brand. Buy something for yourself. Buy something for another. And also don't forget to try my new fragrance. Again, it is available at all Nordstrom, Macy's, Scentbirds, and Birch Boxes, as well as our site.